Hey everybody, this is Alex, and this is a new episode of the Porter Notes podcast. Currently, still no sponsors, but that's okay. It's okay. I believe they will come. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get started. And I just want to thank you for tuning in to a new episode of the Porter Notes podcast. This episode is a special one. This is a checking in episode, which I catch up with an old friend. His name is Bron. He and I have been friends since the early 90s. And due to the magic of Facebook, we've been able to rekindle our friendship and get in touch with each other. And so we sat down and talked about life and where we are now, and it was a nice conversation, so I hope that you can enjoy it. I hope everything's going well for you. It's warm outside. Am I the only one who's concerned that it's, I think my thermometer in the car read 52 degrees outside today, and it's the 2nd of February. Maybe maybe I'm just being a little overly dramatic about it. I don't know. I just think that it's kind of concerning that it's so warm. The climate is so different than what it should be at this time of year for Wisconsin. So, yes, I I admit that I do have spring fever and I want to travel and I want to get away and I can't wait for the snow, although it took a while. I really shouldn't complain about this winter. It did take a while for us to get the snow that we have out there, but I'm anxious to see it go. But, you know, I just, I think I'm getting nearer and nearer that age when I want to be someplace where it's warm, temperately warm climate all year round. And no matter what the snow, even if it's a half an inch, I'm shaking my fist up at the sky as though God's doing this to me directly. But anyway, I'm tangenting here. Uh, so <laughs> this episode is a checking in episode, checking in with Bron. And uh, we, we had quite a bit of conversation, so I, I chopped it up a little bit. Um, I'll probably put out a supplemental from this, and if things go well, then I'll sit down and chat with Bron again. I really enjoyed myself. Also, we'll be having a America Land podcast coming up soon. Lori and I are going to sit down and talk about some recent travels in 2019 that we've experienced and enjoyed. So keep track of what we got going on. Go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash kettle and cup. Feel free to send me an email, kettle n k e t t l e n cup c u p at gmail.com. If you have any questions or any podcast topics that you'd like to see explored, I, I'll do what I can. I'm, I'm no uh, Dan Rather, but we'll uh, see what we can find out, I guess. Uh, so enjoy. This is Checking In with Bron. Thank you. 
I never, I never, I say this and, and, uh, I think that my kids sometimes take offense to it and yeah, what are you going to do? You're not on this earth to make kids happy, really. Well, you kind of are. I mean, you're a clown, maybe. Once they grow up and they understand, I mean, they understand that relationships are complicated things. Yeah, I guess that's true. I was really reluctant, but it was for practical reasons. I never thought that I was ready or that we had enough money or it's not that I didn't want to have kids. It's that, you know, I just didn't feel right about it, but... Yeah, I, 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 I wasn't trusting of myself. Okay. You know, I was kind of like, well, you know, I can't be trusted to, to match my socks. There's no way that I could be trusted to, uh, you know, to, to care for a kid. Yeah. I still don't know that I did anything right, but, you know, they're both they're both alive. Just by the grace of God, probably. But And where are you working at now? Uh, Trienda in Portage. So you drive to Portage every day? Oh, I do, yeah. Well, three a- days a week. Uh, well, it's, it's a rotating schedule. So two, uh, like this, I had two days off. I'm going to go on for two days and then I'll have three days off. What do you do there? Um, we form plastic pallets basically. Yeah. 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 I know, I know what they do there, but what do you do there? Well, I, I run the machines mostly, uh, right now I'm kind of in a supervisory position just because we're doing things that require me to be in a supervisory position. Really? Yeah. So how many people do you have underneath you? Mm, I don't know, about 30 or so. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean... Well, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm not the one they go to if they need, you know, personal assistance, but <laughs> all I do is direct people on the floor. Oh, really? It's like running a really big machine. Oh, you have to get hard on them? <laughs> um. I'll stop you right here because innuendo is like, so if I giggle at things, it's because my brain goes in weird places. Um, Same old Ron. No, I'm, I'm actually, it's really hard for me to be confrontational. So I'm, it's kind of good for me because I'm actually kind of growing into that role. Do you think that that's something generational? I mean, you and I are only about what, four or five years difference in age, if I remember correctly. Do you think that that whole non-confrontational thing is something of our generation, our whole Generation X thing? Like, it's easier to be, you know, it's far easier to wear slippers than it is to carpet the entire planet? Um, I definitely think it was a choice. I, I knew a lot of really motivated people when I was a kid, and the people I go to work with, a lot of them are my age, and they they don't seem to have trouble finding, you know confrontations and dealing with them um it might have been more prevalent in our generation just because i think uh the generation before was more authoritarian you know pull up your bootstrap sort of thing yeah structured maybe well i mean they have the audacity to call themselves the greatest generation right no well no (laughs) it's not that you have to think pretty highly of yourself to uh what's the sample size (laughs) <laughs> I've known some really great guys in every generation. You know, the the millennials get a lot of uh, grief, I guess. But I, I've known some decent ones. I mean, I would. I think my boy's is one of them. So I, he's a pretty responsible kid. Is he still at home? Uh right now he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's his plans for the future? Um, basically just to save up some money and get out on his own. Um. We've tried pushing school on him, but I think he's too smart for that. He doesn't want the debt. 
Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't disagree with you on that. I've or him, I should say, because uh, listeners out there are aware of this. But there was a time period where Lori and I owned a coffee shop, and so major clientele for us was the uh, the high school kids. Okay, and being fairly conversant people, we ended up befriending quite a few of them. They would talk to us. Oftentimes, they'd talk to us about things that they should have been talking to their parents about. Yeah, but they. They felt, I don't know if they felt more comfortable with us or, I mean, we, they couldn't disappoint us, you know, so yeah. maybe that was the biggest part of it. Anyway, um, when they talked about, about school and, and their thoughts about going to school and what they were going to do, you know, with uh, their, you know, furthering their education. And I always felt like if you're going to be a, a, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, um, go for it definitely that's that's the path that's necessary but if you're going to do something with technology or something with your hands or something that requires being available now um two years in a tech tech school or going out and getting a job i mean i know that that by the time by the time schools get technology it's already outdated yeah so if you want to do something that that involves technology then you need to be on the the cutting edge which is generally the you know the work the workforce the development side it's not learning about it i mean so it's just one of those things where you kind of are counterintuitive in your advice to people you know because i'm sure that there are a lot of parents who are like no you're going to school and it's kind of like well why i was kind of dismayed when he decided not to go to school but i i understood his reasoning but it's easier to go now than to go later once you're established, once you have bills, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want him to pass the opportunity up, even though I understood where he was coming from. Like healthcare, I really feel like there's a, like I feel like there's a, probably more stable future for somebody going into healthcare as people are getting older and a lot of the service industry is being taken over by robots and other things. A lot of the boomers dying. <laughs> um, but. I would say that uh, is a very large percentage of of people who get into healthcare get that CNA license to start making money, and then it's really hard to go back. Then, if if you're not committed to continuing on with your education to be an RN or whatever else you're going to be, there's there's a, a fair amount of them that once they start making that money, they're like, mm, "This is good." Yeah, yeah. It's it's easy to get comfortable. I mean, that's pretty much my problem. I got comfortable. You know, I've never been very ambitious to begin with. I can see him traveling down the same path I did, which isn't bad. It's just if he can get more while he can, I, I would take it. Everybody, when they're growing up, feels like like their situation is unique. And I can remember hearing from from other people, and of course I didn't listen to my mom as much as I listened to other people, but, you know, you can... You can still end up in the destination. It's just why take the hard path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely took. Yeah, I, if there's an obstacle in my path, I'll I'll stop. I think there's no path. There's just I'm gonna take a break. <laughs> <laughs> this tree's nice. Sort of the uh, Sean Connery approach. Have a seat, and eventually the solution will present itself. It usually does. One way or the other. You have proclaimed yourself as probably the most boring person 
Yeah, from the outside looking in, I'm not really a people person. You know, are you comparing yourself to, uh, to like the Kardashians or something like that? No, it's just we live in a very extroverted, very social society, and I reject all of that basically. So yeah, I can't blame you for that. Did you watch the Grammys the other night? No. Well, I'll tell you a little story about the Grammys. The Jonas Brothers were on there. Okay. You familiar with the Jonas Brothers? I, I've heard of them. Okay. I don't partake of the music. No, I don't blame you. But your son's 18, so he's he's like right in between my my son and my daughter's age. Okay. So, um, I was. Uh, here's my love affairs in this in this in this lifetime, music. Um, food. Television. This is before I was old enough to uh, find romantic love. So television has been a big part of my life, and when my kids were growing up, we had TVs in every possible place in our apartments. Or, well, we weren't living in a house yet. So my daughter also grew up with television, as did my son. And one day we were watching the Disney Channel. Disney never showed commercials; they always just showed little self-promoting promos. And it was in between two episodes of something, Hannah Montana, or maybe that's So Raven. She was a big fan of that. They cut to a, a a concert scene with all of these kids just going crazy. And then these three young men came running out on the stage and they were performing some pop number I had never heard before. And these were three young men I'd never seen before. And the girls and boys in the crowd, because that was what you would want to call them, they were probably average age of 12. They were going nuts. They were absolutely nuts. They were screaming. These three young men were doing cartwheels and everything else up on the stage while they were performing. Obviously staged. You know, obviously uh, uh, not a real indication of what their performance was like, but just larger than life. It's about 45 seconds, and it had gotten done. And I know that my daughter had never seen them before either, but they said the new Jonas Brothers album, because this was, you know, in the late 90s. She turned to me and she said, I have to have that. And I thought, wow, it really works. Merchandising. <laughs> so the Grammys were the other night. Uh, the opening act was Lizzo. I don't know if you're familiar with Lizzo. Not I, really. I wasn't as familiar with Lizzo as I, as until after. And then they took a commercial break and Lizzo was in the commercial. Okay. And then they came back from the commercial break and Alicia Keys was the host, and she mentioned Lizzo multiple times. Oh, got the Inception thing going on. Prior to that, I had maybe a, a, a glancing understanding of there being a person who performs named Lizzo. Uh, she was on Saturday Night Live. Now I feel like I've been... Uh, implanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to use indoctrinated, but implanted is even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought to myself, we've been played. How long have we been played? Oh, ever since, I don't know, ever since the recorded voice, I would imagine. You think it goes that far back? Radio for sure. I mean, maybe not in our culture so much, but propaganda and and whatnot. I mean, that's age, age old, older than time. Anybody who wants to be in power will tell you something. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
They know how to turn the screws. Well, it's all money now, so they'll sell it to you. That's what they call it now. No, there really isn't such a thing as money anymore. Oh, it's close enough. I mean, it's not physical anymore, but it's still of value. People still... I mean, you can you can go down that rabbit hole where you say you're a slave to the bank, and that's all well and good, but we still work for something. We exchange goods and services for what we call money. The early artists, if they weren't commissioned to do paintings of royalty, they were almost exclusively commissioned by the church. Yeah. Pre-Renaissance art is all religious. Yeah. With, with the occasional, you know... They still got paid for it one way or the other. I mean, either it was True. favor from the church or it was whatever the money was at the time. Well, it was still a form of brainwashing. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, it, it that, that was the culture, though. I mean... It was brainwashing in the sense, in in what it was. I mean, they were a religious society, so the the mediums were, were religious in nature. I mean, that's that's what it was. Society progresses, and and the social constructs change. The propaganda changes with it. I don't know. You become immune to it, so they have to find a different approach. Yeah, yeah. Like right now, we're more um, less godly and more more capital gains and more money and more, you know, they'll just give you a different carrot hmm. and figure out how to manipulate you, take that carrot. I mean, that's all society is. Society is give and take. I mean, sure, it doesn't matter how you structure society. I mean, there's going to be a give and take somehow. It it seems outrageously disproportionate. You know, well, I, I've had this discussion with other people. I mean, how do you go? Do you go total autonomy, total freedom? Do you become the the guy in the woods, mm-hmm. you know, completely off the grid? I mean, at some point you have to cooperate with somebody. Yeah, but, I don't think that people realize what that really takes I to live, go totally yeah. off the grid. Oh, yeah. it's it would. I mean, anybody, I mean, we used to do it. I mean, as a as a species, we used to do it. Oh, sure. But... Going from today's society right now, internet, supermarkets, and everything, and trying to do that, I think most people who haven't geared their entire lives toward it would would find it rather difficult. Well, there's too much perceived need. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you really think about it... Well, there's also a lot more work for a lot less gain. Sure. I I mean, just growing a crop or going out and hunting, I mean... You spend 15 minutes at the supermarket, or you could spend all day <laughs> hunting and gathering. Well, there's a. I think I was watching. Uh, I was watching one of the BBC animal shows, not the most recent one that's out there, but uh, one that's uh, being replayed on Netflix. And there's a group of monkeys. I'm guessing. Uh, it could be apes, I don't know. I'm going to say monkeys because I just don't know any better. And they're in Ethiopia, and they live up in, in the hills. And during the day, when they can view predators, they, they come down from the hills, and they sit in the lowlands, and they groom each other, and they eat, and do what these monkeys do. And then at night, they go back up into the hills, and that's their life. You know? Now, they they don't have... I mean, that's their entertainment. That's their social structure. All their needs are met. Yeah, all their needs are. And within the 
within their realm of existence. I mean, that's that's all there wants too. I mean, yeah, I, there's there's both aspects of it. Our wants have so outly great pace or outpaced our needs that our wants take precedence in the society. I mean, our needs have been taken care of for generations. Now, you've been a Wisconsin guy your whole life. Yeah. Have you ever traveled outside of the state for a vacation? Uh, well, yeah, technically. I mean, when I was a when I was a kid, we went to Florida. Okay. I've gone to Indiana for conventions and stuff with some friends and stuff. I've been out of the state. I mean, I I don't seek to. I don't. I'm not a traveler. I don't find any real pleasure in doing it. Okay, so let me let me put it to you this way then, because you've worked in the same place for a number of years, you're allotted a certain amount of vacation time, so that gives you time to to disconnect from your, you know, pull the piece out of the puzzle for a little while, you know, and during that time period. Have you, you know, have you ever, have you ever had it so that you didn't have certain, I mean, even a staycation, certain responsibilities, like you've never had to set an alarm clock or, you know, during that week, or, you know, you didn't have to be beholden to a, to a strict, you know, time frame schedule for, for a few days in a row. Have you ever had that? Oh yeah. Every summer when the kid's off of school. I mean. Okay. I'm, I'm, don't really task myself with a lot of responsibility if I don't have to. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But the point that I'm getting at is this. If you could allow yourself to do certain things like, you know, eat when you're hungry, go to bed when you're tired, wake up when you're rested, you know, without having to necessarily answer to an alarm clock or, oh, man, I got a busy day tomorrow. I better get to bed now. Or, you know, I've only got so many hours to myself because I have to wait till the kids go to bed and you're kind of running yourself thin. If you can actually operate on a on a basic human needs schedule for a few days um it has so many incredible benefits it does until you go back to work i mean that's pretty much my life yeah well i think that's everybody yeah. right and the reason why i asked if you've ever gone out of state is because it seems to me like it's it's much more doable when you're when your proximity is away from your home base for a little while you say get yourself out of your own element get yourself out of your own head yeah change your environment and yeah, even if you can take seven to ten days in your, well, in Florida, you did that as a kid, but let's just say that you and, and your wife do that sort of thing. Um, even if you take the kids, but let's say that, you know, just the two of you are able to do so at one at some point, and, you know, you're not responsible for, and I mean you and the collective, the both of you, aren't responsible for procuring food, and you're not responsible for... Um, See, but I think we are because I find I find vacations, especially of the nature you're talking about, mm-hmm. to be more stressful. Really? Why is that? Oh yeah. Um, well, you got to book the hotels. You got to possibly got to book the flights. You got to worry about travel plans, itineraries. What are you going to see? How much money is it going to cost to go see that thing? Do we have time to go see that thing? What's the traffic going to be like? You know. You know, I I guess I consider myself fortunate because I actually enjoy that aspect of it. The exploration? Well, you know, I I do like to have a trip planned. I do like to have, I mean, not necessarily every minute of it, don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong, but if if there are certain things that I would like to do, you know, let's say, and you don't even have to leave the country, let's just say that you're going to take a trip to, oh, 
Arizona, you know, and, and you want to take a day where you go to Flagstaff or go to the Grand Canyon or, you know, go to Scottsdale and see certain things, go out into the desert or old Tucson or something like that. It's better to have some of that stuff prepared in advance, of course, because you don't want to show up and find out that the tour is booked or the place is closed or any of that sort of stuff. Um, and money is always going to be an issue. Well, yeah. You know, that's that's always going to be the thing. But I think that there's some sort of replenishment to, you know, pulling yourself away from, from your everyday stuff. And you don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to go to the bank. You don't have to run the kids somewhere. You don't have to obviously go into work for just a few days. I think that it really does... Uh, the, the point that I'm getting at and how I'm tying this into this thing about these monkeys is that those... Those things, those things that I'm talking about aren't necessarily what it takes to survive in this world. So when your kids are older and you guys are on your own or before you ever had kids, if you look at, at, at back at those times in your life and the things that you've, you know, impressed upon yourself to have, I feel as I look back at mine, Man, I wasted a lot of time or I wasted a lot of money on things that just don't matter to me any longer. Yeah, you look at and and I think that's the key point there. They don't matter to you now, mm-hmm. but they mattered to you then. You could you could apply the same standard now. What are the things you are doing now that in 20 years you're going to go, "Man, was that was pretty stupid. Why was I doing that?" <laughs> but right now it matters to you. Well, as I had mentioned earlier, you know, when we opened up the coffee shop, the biggest thing that we did when we opened up the coffee shop was we we primarily opened the doors and just threw all of our money out into the street. So we were in a position um, within about three years of being flat broke. Yeah. And so that really helped us to kind of prioritize our our, our wants and needs. So like so even though it was unproductive it was actually pretty productive. In a spiritual sense, sure. Sure it was. Well, maybe not even spiritual, but in a, in you know in a in a growth sort of sense. Yes, in a character in a yeah. in a character building in an way. adulting sort of sense. <laughs> well, yeah. And 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 kind of beyond that in 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 more of a I'm not throwing stones. I'm the least survival. adult person. Oh, no, here, no, so. no, no, no. Yeah, in a, in a survival sense. Right. Like uh okay, where's our priority is it lie in you know having this magazine subscription or does it lie in eating yeah you know um magazine obviously (laughs) (laughs) feed your brain well you know the magazine was about food there you go how much do we really need two cars can we get by since we're both working in the same place can we get by with just one or can i throw a milk crate onto the handlebars of this bicycle and Right. And and I know that sounds extreme, but we did that stuff. Okay. So. Ride a bike? Wow. You go get them, Tiger. <laughs> it, you know, it was it, it was eight whole blocks. Oh, yeah, I can I can see. Well, well that might be an issue. That's been some years ago. Yeah. Now. Okay. I'm not riding bikes now, man. Oh, no, neither am I. You know, it's like when uh, Reagan was elected president and he's like, solar panels? Yeah. We're doing better than that. Yeah. Rip them off the, the ceiling and the, or the roof of the White House. Anyway, the point that I'm getting at is that once we were forced to reprioritize, now I look at things as like, well, okay, buying CDs or DVDs. And I look back at that and I think to myself, how often do I sit down and watch a, a DVD anymore? Yeah. 
everything is available in any other way you know and 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 other than that too is is my prioritizing of my time and the value of that like mm. i'm going to sit down and have a conversation with bron you know what else could i be doing with this time okay what is there something else you'd rather be doing well you know i am thinking about you know i've got these bird houses i've been painting where are they at well there you, you pass by them on the way and it's i actually have one here i'm sketching out here let me do the magic of of podcasting you need to disconnect here oh there it is wow yeah, yeah. it's just a rough sketch okay you know as you can see there's there's gonna be something happening in those lines right yeah probably color Ooh. brick color or? well no well so here's the idea with these birdhouses I've, I've got about eight of them i'm gonna paint them all in in manners in which you would never expect a birdhouse like one, one of them. I'll, I'll show you when when we're done doing this, whatever this is. But um, I'll, I've got one that looks like it's got flames on it. You, you know, like in the fifties and, and right, early sixties right. when Hot they used to. Yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no bird in its right bird mind that's going to land on a flaming birdhouse. Now, is this part of a bird housing project that you've got going on? Or? We've got a lot of space in front of you, you got here, and it's dark, so you couldn't really see this. But we have a fence. And for whatever reason, we cannot grow anything there that's got any height to it. So you're looking for bird poop? or No, what I'm looking for is something that, that kind of uh, makes the spot interesting. So these birdhouses are going to go up on these uh, multi-tiered kind of... Uh, tree? No, 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 no. I'm going to have sticks under them. Kind of like a tree? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's going to be sticks that are going to go like straight like dowels. Okay. That are going to go into the bottom of them. They're going to sit there. Post tree. Gotcha. Yes. And I have half a mind to make these things so that the dowels are just strong enough to support these so that when a bird gets on it, it kind of canters. Oh. Just to make it interesting for them. Or you. Well. More for you, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Understand that I could just put these bird houses out there as is. You could, but you're really pushing that uh, bird housing envelope. I am. I am. You know, I just... More power to you. Well, I want it to look nice for the neighbors. Okay. Do you have uh, you have any neighbors nearby? Or you live out in the country? No, no. We've got, we've got several neighbors. Do you? Yeah. Your neighbors like you? I wouldn't know. I really don't talk to them. Yeah, that's the best, that's the best neighbor to be. Yeah. We have a couple of nice ones. We've got kind of a uh, apartment complex right up on right above us on the hill mm-hmm. and um you know they're real professional real nice i mean they kind of plow out our driveway a little bit you know well that's nice of them yeah that's really nice of them what have you ever done to deserve that no absolutely nothing yeah we we exist they're good people then yeah well they don't do it all i mean they it's basically a straight shot up there but it's still nice yeah, it's still nice do you reward them with anything um a smile Really? Uh, Chipper, thank you. Well, our neighbors next door, we've gone through through, uh, through uh, three neighbors next door. Mm-hmm. The first set of neighbors, uh, it was a pastor and his wife, and they're like, I don't know, umpteen kids. Every time there'd be a new one that would just come outside. In the spring, all of a sudden there's like, and they all kind of looked alike, but I think they had like six six kids. Anyway, uh, Mike was his name, and, and Mike used to, run the snowblower on the front walk because if he was out there doing it what's the big deal to come down you know 
and we live on a corner, so we've got quite a bit of sidewalk. So we would reward him with like baked goods and things. Oh, which was, you know, kind of Lori's idea, and I would have her take them over there because I didn't want to talk to him at all. Gratitude. Then Mike and 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 Angie they moved out, and then there was a couple that was there, and we didn't really get to know them all that that well, and they were and and they didn't snow blow our sidewalk. So then I would just sit here you know, seething as every flake fell, I would look at it and I'd say to myself, well, that guy next door is not going to get over there and take care of our sidewalk for us. Hey, you know, he wasn't supposed to. No, he wasn't. But I was, you know, I was, uh, spoiled. I was yeah. spoiled by, by Mike. So then I would go out there and every shovel full was just full of spite. Right. You know, it was just like, ah, this guy next Were you door. mad at Mike for moving away? No, no, no. I was happy to see Mike, you know, I was mad. happy to see him go. You mad that he didn't leave a snowblower? No, I was I was mad that this guy didn't realize that as the only neighbor on the block with the snowblower, he has a little bit of responsibility to which he would be rewarded. Right. Know? Don't get me wrong. Was he aware that. of this contract? I never spoke with him. Yeah. I never knew his name. Right. It was the unwritten rule that if I had a snowblower, I'd probably do the neighbors. Yeah. But since Mike had one, I never. Anyway, so <laughs> so then these people are nice. Well, they moved away, yeah. and then now there's a there's a a new group there. They have a a dog grooming business. Okay, out of their home. Well, a section of their home. It could be the whole home because I haven't been there. But we we did take our dog there um, until she passed away recently, which is really tragic. Yep. But um, but he he does the snow blowing, and so we. We bring them things oh, okay. for doing it. And well, see, that's that societal thing that I was telling you about before. There's kind of that give and the take. I mean, well, I'm all about the take. Well, well, sure, but but you 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 participate in the give too. So maybe not personally, but well, your household does. I make arrangements, right? See, it gets done, and then I say, you you should bring something over there for them. Yeah, yeah, just kind of. I get the ball rolling. Float it up to the boss there. There doesn't need to be any discussion of hierarchy. That oh, well, we're talking unwritten societal rules here. I mean, doesn't that imply a leadership of some sort? Everybody has their place in the choir, right? Yes. Some sing low, mm-hmm. and some sing higher, right? Yeah. I change light bulbs around here. Yeah, you know, I I arrange for my son to take out the trash. Right. You know, if uh, I, I, I pump gas in all the vehicles, Sweet. you know, certain things, certain things like that. You're, you're not on trial here. I, I just want to make that absolutely clear. <laughs> God, I, was, I was getting choked up for a moment there. I was, I was racking my brain. Yeah. You know. And, I, I, don't, I don't even have that kind of a list, so kudos to you. Well, and, and let me tell you this, and you probably know this already, but... um for those listeners out here, out there that don't uh don't don't ever discount the importance of being funny. Okay. If you're if you're funny, if you're entertaining, you can get by without, you know, picking up your socks once in a while. Right, right. Does that work for you? Well, you know, I pick up my socks when I need to get them washed, but we... well, I'm not saying leave them every time. Oh, okay. I mean, do you find that humor works to your uh, advantage? 
Uh, yeah, I also, I, I, I'm kind of a weird guy because, uh, I, I can bring the funny sometimes. I'm, I'm kind of insightful at times. People, people I wish you would have brought the funny to this podcast. I, I do too. I, (laughs) I really do. But I'm also, I'm also kind of a, a standoffish guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty hardcore introvert when it all comes down to it and, it can it can be kind of difficult for me to initiate conversation. I've gotten a lot better than when I was a kid. That's good, but you know it, it still kicks in pretty good. So even if I'm you know being even at home, oh yeah, really, oh yeah, how interesting. You've yeah. been with your wife for over twenty years. Yeah, what's left to say? I mean, I'm an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's anything worth saying, I'm, I'm I would assume that you would have the comfort to be able to do that there. Oh yeah, it's not that I'm not necessarily uncomfortable. It's just I'm I'm not the small talk sort of a guy. I gotta ramp myself up for for that kind of hmm. social interaction. Do you take the uh, Do you take the self check aisle at the grocery store? I do. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I take the self check aisle because uh, I also don't feel much like like small talk. Yeah, uh, I much prefer texting over a phone call. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, much easier. I know somebody and used to be more friendly with this person who wore um, headphones in the grocery store, like large headphones, like the type that we're wearing right now, to display. Obviously, they're they're not approachable. And I thought to myself, that seems a little bit extreme. But then I did wear some earbuds in the grocery store one time, and it, it was actually a pretty nice experience. Yeah. yeah. I'll do that every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, especially if I if I may recommend uh, "Scary Monsters" by David Bowie, okay, or um, uh, the uh, Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. Yeah. So if you're walking in the grocery store and that's your soundtrack, everything seems a little bit more interesting. Really? Yeah, I'll suggest it for you. Okay. I, I don't know that you're much for Bowie, but um, but yeah, I would I would suggest that one walking around listening to that and that's your soundtrack and you're seeing all the uh, the the cereal boxes and, and things it's huh yeah okay yeah. i guess that would make more sense if i'd actually listen to the song well you know you know no 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 not those songs okay the albums just the albums but yeah it's the whole start thing to, start to finish start yes. to finish even if you're going in the store for a few things, right, like milk or bread, is there like a certain part of the album that I should be focusing on? Start it, start it in the parking lot, okay, so that it's it's going by the time you're in, you know, inside, okay. If you're going in for a couple things, you're gonna have to wander the aisles a little bit because right. you know they're they're both about thirty eight to forty two minutes long. Oh boy, yeah, you can thank me for it later. Okay, when Lori and I were first getting together, we would have those moments where we kind of sit there and it's quiet you know and we would remark about that we'd say oh this is so nice you know that we can we can be together and we don't have to fill up the room with you know conversation it's just nice yeah now it's just kind of like you know where does it cross the line from being like this nice comfort level to just being like mom pa kettle oh well, i mean that's that's a personal thing it's it's all about your comfort level i mean like me, I I'm very comfortable saying three words for a week, you know. Like uh, like I said, a supervisory role that I have to do at work. I mean that that can be torture for me. 
having to deal with other people's problems on top of the stress, on top of everything else. I mean, I don't, I don't want to interact with people. That has to be drawn out of me. And yet you're in the position to where you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not necessarily bad for me. In fact, it might be good for me. I'm just saying it's uncomfortable. It really is. So do you do you take the stance of being unapproachable? Um or do you like as they come as they come up to you, do you clasp your hands over your ears and and make a noise and run? No, no. I mean it's not it's not socially crippling. It's it's more like uh it's an aversion. Like even if uh even if I'm like relatively comfortable with the people I'm talking to, there's there's often an, an exit strategy. <laughs> so there's only one way in this room, right? Uh, if you well, realize that. Well, yeah. I, okay. I'm closer to the door, so. <laughs> in preparation for this this podcast, uh, let me give you a little bit of history, if I if I can. This might be those of you listening at home. You can skip forward probably. Three hours later. I started out this podcast wanting it to be, you know, just kind of an interview-based podcast, the sort of thing that I had always listened to. And I, I, I dipped into my my connections, you know, in the beginning. And I started it actually in the coffee shop. None of those, uh, none of those episodes exist any longer. And part of that was because they were really more promotional for the coffee shop than they were for anything else. So it would be... Um, you know, I have a performer that's performing tonight in the coffee shop, and so I'm going to do an interview with them and, you know, put that up and promote the show, et cetera, which is kind of dumb, actually, when I think about it, because, you know, you can't promote the show that you're recording right. the artist from that day. Right. You could, but you'd have a very short production schedule. Yeah, and, and that doesn't really work out so well. So anyway, um, so I, I backburnered the podcast for a little while, and then I was going through some uh some audio uh files on my computer and I'm like you know I should revive this. And I thought well I'll just you know I'll just bring some some people in again that I know and will it'll help me hone my my interviewing skills and and so it's been kind of nice and we we did a we did a couple of podcasts that were uh um just Lori and I talking about traveling and some of the things that we experienced and some tips and things of that nature for, for getting around and, and, but I always wanted to do a section that I had, um, envisioned that would be called, you know, checking in. Right. So, um, and, 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 you know, why do people say no offense before they say something that might be offensive? Um, they give you carte blanche to just say whatever you want? I think people think it does. It I, shouldn't, though, really. I mean, if you're going to say something that's offensive to somebody, you need to know. You read your audience, right? Yeah, you really have to read your audience. But I think, uh, I think the whole notion of being offended, I mean, the, the, the levels of offense can be so minute nowadays that no offense might, might have to be the disclaimer before you say anything now. So. Yeah, it's reasonable. So, no offense, but uh, I wanted this checking in segment of my podcast, you know, this this occasional episode of the podcast to be me checking in with a friend who might not necessarily be anybody that is famous or well-known. 
and you were the first one of the first people that came to mind. The other guy he was he wasn't available. Oh, so I'm glad I was number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, then I started thinking to myself, well, you know, I always I always got along, got on with 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 Bron here, and maybe we could do something that could be you know kind of like a regular thing. You know, we could sit down and just expound about things that are happening. You know in the world, in our lives, whatever, you know, and maybe people would appreciate it. You think, you, you think that could work? Oh boy. Well, let's see here. I have a few good talking points every now and then, but the, the well's not very deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could always give it a go, but no, oh, no, I'm not prepared to talk about anything. No, me neither. The river's wide, but it's not very deep. <laughs> I think I think I mentioned that before. <laughs> you know, I, I credit you um, in the years that we've known each other. And, and um, again, for those out there who are listening, it's it's not to say that um, that we've maintained a friendship over these years. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But what I mean to say is that we've known each other since 94, 93, something like that. And um, but there's been very many gaps, possibly 91. How long did you work there? Oh gosh, no! That was the first time. Okay, that was the first time. Yeah, I, I won employee of the month. I forgot I still had that up here because people. First thing in, I saw when I walked in. Really, people yeah. aren't in the studio all that often. So yeah, ninety one. I worked there in ninety one. Um, then I moved on to Madison, and I lived in Madison. Was that ninety one? That's what it says. I don't think I would have moved up here until ninety. You yeah. probably ninety three or. So I was living in Madison. Um, from 91 yeah that's right because i was actually living in madison and working at christmas mountain i used to actually commute from madison to christmas mountain to work um so when i first moved into um when i first moved into madison it was in like june of 91 and i was commuting to christmas mountain at the time and uh because i i was only 19 i didn't turn 20 until july and then I, I left Christmas Mountain and I told them I, I, I can't continue to do this because first off, you don't pay well enough for me to travel. And secondly, you know, I'm going to make my, my growth complete moving into a larger town and doing, you know, my own thing. Then I went back in 94 with my tail between my legs because I left Madison and that was the last place I worked in the area. And I thought, well, you know, uh, what was her name? Um, I remember faces. I don't remember names. Yeah, the the gal who was in charge of uh, housekeeping. She was still there. Um, Pam. Pam was her name. Remember she had glasses? She kind of looked like Tina Fey a little bit. Anyway, um, so I went in and I talked to Pam and I'm like, hey, I'm moving back to the area. You know, is that houseman position still available? And uh, she fired somebody to give me that position so i guess there was somebody who was effing up i don't know huh but um so yeah long story short i went back to work there in 94 and then i think that you and i met either that year or the the next year i think they had me doing rooms for a while and then they threw me out with you for whatever reason yeah men weren't men weren't really supposed to be cleaning rooms okay yeah they they had a very uh they had a very traditional viewpoint of of housekeeping yeah roles per yeah you know chromosomes right and uh and so yeah i just remember 
I remember a lot of things, but but how this came to to a point for me at this moment is that you you would say a lot of things that that were just outrageously funny to me at the time, but subdued, such as the statement that you made about the the river being wide but not deep. Mm-hmm. The other one was one of the first times that we worked together, and I I always talked way more than you, um, and I think that's probably still the case. Probably. Um, <laughs> but I remember, you know kind of asking you, you know, how do you feel about doing this? How do you feel about doing that? Because I, I was never really in the position of being anybody's uh, superior either. And, and, and I wasn't, uh, except for the fact that I'd been doing the job for longer than you. Right. And your response was, treat me as a point-and-shoot weapon. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's why you brought that up again. <laughs> yes. I, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I think that established uh, our relationship at that point. I, I knew that I could, you know be direct with do this get that have this whatever and then that allowed me to all my ridiculous flights of fancy yeah i'm much better as a first mate i i I can advise on decisions but um i don't like to be the decider so uh first mate a la um you know like uh Star Trek The Next Generation oh, first mate? No. <laughs> oh, so first mate a la Gilligan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little buddy. Little skipper. Mm. <laughs> well, I would, uh, for 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 a fortune, I would never do that job again, though. Never. Well, they couldn't give you a fortune anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it. No, 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 no. But, yeah. Yeah. So... But anyway, I actually um, uh, I actually worked with a guy later on at Trienda who who lived in the trailer park at Christmas Mountain. Really? Yeah. What so, do you have to say about that? Oh, uh, he apparently he he owned it. It was uh. like a timeshare that that he had all year, but he owned the the lot, mm-hmm. so he kept building on to it. And I don't know if he was supposed to or not. <laughs> as long as it was within the parameters. Of- yeah. Of the lot. I don't know. He lived there a long time. Well, um, I want to say seven or eight years ago, um, they mandated that people couldn't live there year-round anymore. And so you had to leave for one month. You had to leave for one month in the winter. Um, It was illegal for you to live there all year long. So people had to, who were living there all year long and had been doing so for 15 years um they had to figure out a loophole for that one month to to leave what they do bussing grandma and said that she's living there for a month i don't know how they got around it because i haven't heard anything since but i actually um became friendly with somebody whose uh parents still have a place there they they come up occasionally um i think their parents are there all summer long or pretty close to it, and then they they come up and stay a week here and a weekend there, and um, that was a big deal in like 2011, 2012, where they were like, oh, what we're supposed to do, you know, with this month? But fortunately, they would just go and stay with her, or they had another place like near Racine. I don't I don't remember exactly, but there are other people that that was just their their place, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I had to help that guy move. For really? some reason, I don't know. Maybe he was moving out for that reason. This would have been well, probably a decade ago or so. I don't know. I don't know what the timeline would have been. Did you have a truck? No. How did you end up helping him move? Well, he had a truck. 
He had something. Oh, you were I just, was just I was you just were just muscle. Yeah, I was just labor. <laughs> but those the the rooms in there were like closets, and that's where they lived. I was like, wow, wow, that's crazy. Um, I never see anybody from there ever, and and probably some of them. If I did physically see them, I probably wouldn't recognize them. Um, with one exception, and this is a story that very few people know. I was working at a place in Boston in 2010, right before I, I started the business, the coffee shop. And I was the manager of this place. It was a cell phone shop. I was a manager there. And one of the people that I managed, his name was, was Tony. And Tony's Tony was a bit off, but nice guy. Anyway, there was a there was a customer that used to come in regularly, and her name was um, oh gosh, I don't remember. It'll come to me. She was blind, Barb, blind Barb. We never call her blind Barb to her face. Barb was blind. She's not deaf. <laughs> <laughs> right. She was blind, and um, Tony was terrible. Like he would, he'd make faces at her and stuff. You know, one time he had fastened these these eyeglasses out of toilet paper rolls, and he was wearing those while he was talking to her. <laughs> it's just horrible. Anyway, Barb had mentioned that um, that they have a thing called the spring fling. So the home that she lives in, they they go and they they dance and they listen to music and they have a big dinner and it's called the spring fling so tony was dead set on finding out and infiltrating this spring fling and so every time she was in the shop to to pay her bill or because there was a problem with her phone or to have something fixed or looked at he talked to her about the spring fling and he finally gathered enough information from her about the spring fling and he said to me we're going to the spring fling and i'm like nah, I'm, not, I'm not going to this spring fling he's like no 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 no. we gotta go we gotta go he's like let's go to the thrift store let's buy some suits let's go to the spring fling and i eventually capitulated and so i got this red plaid suit and he had a gray suit and we we left Boston and we went to Elroy to the community center for the spring fling. And um, Barb was physically impaired. She was blind. Everybody else there, though, their impairment was um, of a different variety. Mental? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so here I am with this guy, Tony. And we're sitting at this long table with all of these <laughs> challenged people right. thinking that we're just going to slip in mm -hmm. and, and, and partake in this spring fling. And a realization hit me as I'm sitting there with this guy next to me who's, uh, you know, this is a terrible impression but he's like, what's your name and i'm like 
Oh Jesus! <laughs> Get the hell out of here! So I left, and I left Tony in there, and uh, I was outside, and I was I was laughing so hard at the situation that I was actually crying, and I thought, "What in the hell? How did I get talked into doing this? I never did get to eat." Um, but one of the caretakers was Sherry Ends from. Oh. And I remember when I saw her, I'm like, that's Sherry from Christmas Mountain. And I thought, oh, shit, that's Sherry. <laughs> I thought, I really would like to go up there and, and talk to her because I haven't talked to her in 15 years. Uh-huh. And I really liked Sherry. But then I, I'm i like, but I'm in a red plaid suit Eat. trying to crash yeah. the spring plane. <laughs> I don't she think this. She goes, I knew it. <laughs> I thought, I don't think this is the right time to be like, hey, Sherry, you know, because great party, (laughs) because either I'm really being a disrespectful asshole, which was more it than anything else, or I'm just a confused individual. So, yeah, I just. And they, you know, they were talking about us. They were pointing at us. The caretakers, they were pointing at us. And they're like, who are these guys? You know, how did we get them? Now, if we were smart, we would have walked in and went right up to Barb and been like, hey, Barb, how's it going? You invited us to the party. We're here. But instead, (laughs) (laughs) but instead we kind of like snuck in and sat down at a table and, you know, put a napkin under our chins and Uh Uh waited for, you know. What, I don't know what they were serving. Hot dish. Right. You know. So, yeah. That would have been the only, until now, that would have been the only time in my life that I would have uh, interacted with somebody from the old mountain days. Hmm. And I think uh, I think uh, my discretion was, was well played. Okay. By not approaching her. Well, you know, I don't know. I wasn't in the situation. But then again, I don't think I would have put myself in the situation. So, <laughs> I don't know how I ended up in the situation. Huh. It was wrong. It sounded funny. Uh, it's funny now, but at the time it was uh, hilarious. T- <laughs> <laughs> you want to know the best part? Huh. Um, we did it all on the clock. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as manager, I um, customer meet and greet. Yeah. Well, as 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 manager, I I condone this yeah. behavior by partaking in it myself. So Tony and I clocked in. And then we're like, we're going to this spring fling. <laughs> you guys take care of the shop because we're going to spring fling. <laughs> huh. We'll tell Barb y'all say hey. <laughs> maybe we'll get maybe we'll get a plate to go. We'll bring it back. <laughs> Customer appreciation day. That's all. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, I should let you get going. You got to go home. Um, but I appreciate you coming down for this. I had a good time with it. Yeah. Maybe we can get something out of this and yeah. do it again if you're interested. I hope you get at least 10 minutes out of it, that's for sure. Well, I'm just going to use the last story I told. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be it. <laughs> It'll be like, yeah, episode checking in with Bron. Huh. It's only 10 minutes long. <laughs> How come? Uh, I kind of remember interjecting in here, Alex, but I don't hear my voice. Oh, yeah. Heavily edited. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Bron, thanks for coming in. 
No problem, Alex. And, uh, you know, Bron, I appreciate you. I'm glad you were here. I appreciate me too, Alex. Awesome. And uh, let's try and do this again sometime. Okie dokie. Well, there you have it, a new episode of the podcast, the first ever episode called Checking In with my good buddy, Bron. A fun time. This podcast has been a great opportunity for me to enjoy connecting with friends and getting to know people a little bit deeper. So I'm really grateful for that. I hope everybody out there enjoyed it as well. I do have some supplemental podcasts probably coming out as a result of this conversation with Bron. Probably within the next couple of weeks, I'll put out some pieces here and there. Also, I'm going to try and get an America Land podcast done, as I'd mentioned. Lori and I have been to a number of different places in 2019, and we would like to enjoy... We would like to share some stories with everybody out there. Additionally, I'm pretty sure Lori is excited to sit down with Jayco. We've been talking about it and teasing at it for some time. Hopefully we can get that done here pretty quickly and have that out. I guess I don't really have much else to say. Uh, Just be good to each other out there and know that... Well, (laughs) I guess just be good to each other out there. So until next time, this is Alex uh, reminding you to please go to porternotes.com to check out all things Porter Notes. Go to facebook.com slash kettle and cup for other information. If you don't want to go to the website and Facebook is your thing, that's a great place to do it. Listen to this podcast, share this podcast, let everybody know about it. It's just fun. It's just something that I want to do for fun and hopefully you can enjoy it as well. Do feel free to send comments or questions or whatever correspondence you'd prefer to kettle, K-E-T-T-L-E-N, C-U-P, kettle and cup at gmail.com. And I will talk to you all again soon. <laughs>